a few days ago. Many times good things happen because of being in the right place at the right time. Sometimes good things happen because we stumble upon them. And as my heart has been stirred uh, uh, to, to hear about the revival taking place at Asbury, I have been thinking along these lines this week about positioning ourselves for revival. Positioning ourselves for revival. I don't want to be someone who is simply quick to jump on a bandwagon. Um, yet I don't want to miss out on anything that God is doing anywhere. And um, I have been rejoicing to hear about how God has been at work at Asbury. I've been hearing... I have, I have a friend whose daughter is a student at Asbury who's reported that that this is this is happening that it's it's real it's not rumored to be taking place dr andrew graham who was one of our speakers at heartland camp this past year is a a, a professor from asbury college and seminary and i uh the first person that told me they had heard this was happening uh, the first thing I did was to send a message to Dr. Graham and say, I, I have heard this is happening. Can you verify uh, that this is happening? And he said, yes, absolutely, it's really happening. And um, one thing that I want to acknowledge this morning is that revival is the work of a sovereign God. That when God decides and determines to work in a circumstance or in a situation, God can do so. In John chapter 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and he talks to him some about the mysteries of spiritual life. And one of the things that he says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 8 is that the Spirit of God is like the wind. It blows where it will. It blows where it wants to. And as we think of revival being the work of a sovereign God, it might lead us to ask the question, is there nothing we can do? Is there anything we can do? To phrase it differently. And if we think about the terms of God's Spirit moving and working like wind where you can't see where it comes from and you can't tell where it is going, but you can definitely feel the effects and you can know it as a reality. I can tell you what the sailor would do. He would set his sail in a certain direction in order to catch the wind and take advantage of the wind that is blowing. And while I don't believe there is anything that we can do to make God do what we want Him to do, I do believe there are some things that we can do to position ourselves to be ready in case. To be ready in case. This is what's been on my heart the past few days, and quite honestly, I, I don't know what God may want to do. I don't know if 
as the revival that took place at Asbury in 1970 spread across the country, people, as they are doing now, drove in to Asbury from various places and then they went back to their homes to various churches and revival fires. A spirit of revival seemed to spread and emanate from there. I don't know whether that will happen in this case or not. I would I'd certainly hope so. I would long to see it happening. I'm hearing good reports already of, of revival uh, beginning to break out on the campus. I believe it's Ohio Christian University, uh, which is, it's either, I think it's a, it's a Church of Christ and Christian Union school. Um, and uh, I don't know whether it'll spread this far. Uh, I don't know if it will have an impact um, that widespread. But uh, if God does want to do something on a grander scale than just on that one campus, I want to be, be ready. I want to be in a place where God can do something in my heart and where hopefully if we all put ourselves in a position to receive from God, God can do something for our church. One of the things that we can do is to tune our hearts, to tune our hearts. In John chapter 10, I'm not going to take time to read all of these scriptures to you, but John chapter 10, Jesus speaks about being the good shepherd, and he talks about having sheep that know his voice, sheep that recognize his voice. And friends, I'm convinced that if we are to position ourselves in such a way that God can do something for us, we must be tuned in to hear the voice of God speaking. To be in a position where outside voices are not so loud and so distracting that we are unable to hear the voice of God. You may remember reading in your Old Testament about Elijah, how in a time of depression and discouragement, he was uh, off in the wilderness by himself. And after a time of, of rest and, and uh, uh, physical nourishment for his body, God seemed to begin working and speaking. And there came a whirlwind and there came a fire and an earthquake and all of these things, dramatic uh, uh, stirrings. But God wasn't in any of those things. But then he heard the still, small voice. And friends, very often when God begins to work and God begins to speak, it comes through the still, small voice. And it is up to us to be tuned in. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, Paul gives us the instruction to, if we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Again, it's this idea of simply being tuned in. I saw this illustration just a few days ago uh, from a friend, and he said, if you tune a, a piano to another piano and then tune a second piano to that, let me start again, tune a third piano to that second piano, and then you tune a fourth piano to the third piano, and so on and so forth. 
you know what you will have? You won't have pianos that are all in tune. You will have a, a, a large number of pianos that are, that are discordant and out of tune. But if you take a tuning key, a tuning fork, that is a, a perfect pitch, and tune all of those pianos to that same pitch, then they will all be in tune with each other. And friends, you and I, if we are to be in a position to receive what God may want to do in our hearts and in our lives, we must be tuned in not to each other, not tuned in to, to whatever the, the popular uh, Christian thinking of the day is, whatever's popular in the evangelical or the church world, uh, not tuned in to, to whatever the popular political ideology is, but tuned in to the Holy Spirit, tuned in to God's voice speaking. I believe if we are to position ourselves for revival, we need to search our hearts. We need to search our hearts. Hearts. I remember hearing a story about a, a, another revival, uh, a revival meeting uh, that took place on the campus of a Bible college. And, and uh, if I remember correctly, the services had been tight and uncomfortable and there hadn't seemed to be a real move of God until finally towards the end of the scheduled services, one of the, uh, one of the professors came forward and began to confess and, and began to seek God and pray. And after they had gotten through and prayed to victory, they stood to testify and said, I had gotten to the point in my walk with the Lord where I was scared, I was nervous to ask God to search my heart. Friends, can I just tell you kindly this morning that if you ever get to the point where you are uncomfortable or nervous to invite God to search your heart, that is a sure sign of spiritual trouble in your life. The psalmist said in Psalm number 139 and verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. An invitation to God, to the Holy Spirit, to search our hearts is one of the ways that we can position ourselves. Also, we read in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, these words from the prophet Jeremiah. He says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked or sick. Who can understand it? Verse 10, the Lord speaks through the prophet and says this, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways. It's one thing for us to look inside and search our, our own hearts. But friends, as the Bible tells us, our hearts are deceitful. And very often we want to look at ourselves in the best light possible. In fact, the Bible tells us all men will profess or will proclaim their own goodness. I believe if we want to position ourselves for revival, if God should choose to so work in a way to pour out His Spirit upon us, we need to invite God to search our hearts, to be tuned in to hear His voice, to, 
to, to uh, do our best to eliminate or diminish the distractions of the world, tune in to hear His voice and say, God, would you search my heart? Would you show me what's in my life? Not only should we search our hearts, but we should be ready to go to any extreme that obedience requires. Be ready to go to any extreme that obedience requires. We may not be comfortable thinking in terms of extremes, but friends, could I tell you that in a time in my life when I was dealing with and struggling with a, a besetting sin, something that I had tripped over and stumbled over time and time and time and time again. To the point that I had despaired of ever really getting victory over that thing. When God began to lead me in a way to help me know what I ought to do, it seemed extreme. To the point that it caused real real mental and emotional anguish, not just to myself, but to others that I loved. And, and I, I wondered, do I, do I really have to go to this extreme? Lord, do I really have to do this much? But friends, now having lived on the other side of that for quite a number of years, can I just tell you that it's been worth every bit of extreme uh, action that I had to take. It has been worth it. And friends, one of the things I can tell you for certain, if we want God ever to pour out His Spirit upon our lives, we must position ourselves to be prepared, to be ready, at least willing, to be made willing. Can I say that again? Willing to be made willing. There might be some things that we would say, Pastor, I don't know if I can say I'm willing to go to an extreme in this area of my life. I'm not sure if I can do it. One of the things we can do is say, Oh God, I'm willing to be made willing. You can work on my heart. You can work in my life to help me be willing. We read these words so familiar to most of us, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will cleanse their land. To be willing to go to any extreme. Second Kings chapter 5, we read the story of Naaman who had leprosy. You remember that story? And uh, the little servant girl in his house knew about a prophet in Israel that, that might be able to tell him how to help him with his problem. And so he went and the prophet didn't even come out to speak to him. Here Naaman is, this, this big highfalutin uh, Syrian general, and he says, at least, you know, he ought to show me the respect that I deserve and, and come out and speak to him. But he didn't, the prophet didn't even come out and speak to him. It just sent his servant, go out and tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman said, we have 
better rivers back where I'm from than that dirty Jordan River. I am not going to go bathe in that river. And finally, his servants, you know, speaking to him, said, if he had asked something hard of you, would you not have been willing to do it? It seemed to Naaman a silly, foolish thing to go try and do. Sometimes God may lead us in ways that seem extreme to us. Now, I I realize we need to be careful because we've seen excesses in different directions when we think about revival meetings. What I'm talking about is dealing with sin and getting clear before God. I remember a story my dad used to tell about a pastor's wife. I think she was a pastor's wife, a lady that was in, in a, I think they were in camp meeting. And uh, as the camp meeting progressed, this lady grew increasingly more troubled in her spirit. And, and after a certain time of very clear and straight preaching, she, she told her husband, I've got I've to get out of here, I've got to get out of here. And she got up and left, and her husband got up and, and followed her out. And she had come to a point of such conviction that she finally confessed something to... I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, I don't know if you're hearing the beeping. Um, she finally confessed to her husband. She said, I, I've got to get this straightened out. She said, I don't know what it's going to cost. She said, it may cost us everything we own. But she said, I've got to get it straightened out. And he said, what in the world are, have, what in the world did you do? And she said, well, back before we were married, I and a friend, we had a, a uh, I think they'd call it a milliner's, a milliner's shop, uh, like a, where they'd sell hats and gloves, ladies, this num- number of years ago, things of that nature. And she said, we got into debt that we were not able to get out of. And after a, a number of times, she said, I began to, to be tempted after a period of time passed, I began to be tempted to uh, a voice speaking in my head as I would look in the, some of the storage area and see all the packing material and the boxes and things just to start a little fire there to see if it would take hold and, and burn the place down in order to claim the insurance uh, on that property and be able to get out of our debt. And she said, after some time of of wrestling and struggling with that temptation, I finally gave in and one day set that fire and then slipped out. And then even as she said she walked away, she could look back and see the smoke beginning to rise. and, And sure enough, it burnt down to the ground. And if I'm remembering correctly, didn't burn just that building, but some businesses nearby also caught and burned down and and uh, but. She said the insurance paid off and nobody ever found out about what I had done. But she said, I've got to make it right. I've got to get clear. 
And as she began to confess, her spirits began to lift. And she said, oh, I'm beginning to feel better. Let's go back in the service. And she went back in the service and came to the front and asked for permission to speak and shared the story. And it began an outpouring of God's spirit and and a, a move of God in that camp meeting. See, that's what I'm talking about, about going to extremes. I don't know the rest of that story. I do know that lady got right with God. Why? Because she did what she had to do to really get right with God. She fully confessed. And sometimes it might seem extreme and we might wonder, oh, do I really have to go to that? You know, isn't it, can I just tell God? Some cases there are some things that you can just tell God and you can make it right. But there are other things that need to be made right. And whatever it takes, friends, if we want to be prepared and ready for a move of God, we need to be willing to at least be made willing to go to whatever extreme obedience requires. Finally, friends, be ready to wait in hope. Be ready to wait in hope. I have a number of scriptures listed here, but I'm not going to take the time to read all of them. I just want to read this one passage from the book of Jonah. That might sound unusual. But Jonah is such an interesting book to me. Because it was through the preaching of Jonah that revival came to Nineveh. And God had told Jonah to go with the message and preach to the people there. And, you know, after some time of running and trying to get away, Jonah finally consented after spending a little time in the belly of a whale. Jonah said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And he preached a very unsatisfactory message and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He didn't tell them anything about, you know, Jehovah sending me to preach and tell you that you're about to be overthrown and this is your last chance. No, he just said, you're about to be overthrown. But the people all repented from the king all the way down to they made the cattle sorry, too. And Jonah was upset about what God had done. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, it says, It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Lord, this is why I did not want to come here and preach. This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And Jonah here is quoting from Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. In fact, these other, some of these other passages tell us uh, they're also quoting the same idea, the same passage, that, that the Lord is merciful, He is gracious, He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast hope. What I want to leave with you this morning is this idea. I don't know if God may want to send real revival, a real moving of His Spirit to revive our hearts. I certainly hope He does. 
If he does, if he decides he wants to, I certainly want to be in a position to receive it. To have my heart tuned in so that I am not distracted by the, the, the noise and the static of this world. To be ready and willing for him to search my heart and show me what's in my life. To be ready and willing to go to any extreme that obedience may require. And finally, to be ready to wait and hope. Because you see, while God may not work according to the timetable that we wish he would, our waiting, we need to realize, is not for the convincing of a reluctant and fickle God who is hesitant to do anything for his children. Our waiting is not to convince a God who is maybe still thinking about doing something for his children. But rather, our waiting is on the God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and who promises us that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Praise his name. Let's stand together this morning. Let me just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's take a moment to pray quietly before the Lord. As we think of each one of these four points. Number one, to be tuned in. To be tuned in to the voice of God speaking. Friends, we live in such a noisy age. There are times when we need to intentionally shut out the noise and the distraction. Leave your phone somewhere. Get away from your computer. Get away from your radio, from your... Uh, your uh, whatever, whatever tends to be distracting to your television. Get away from those things and find a place where it's quiet, where God can speak to you. Be tuned in. Be ready and willing to search your heart. Oh God, would you search our hearts? Would you help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you? Father, there may be areas of self-deception in our lives where we have convinced ourselves that we're okay and everything is fine and there's nothing really wrong. Lord, if that's the case, would you somehow open our eyes and take the blinders off and help us to see ourselves as you see us? Would you search our hearts? Lord, would you help us to be prepared to go to any extreme that obedience might require? Lord, for some of us, it might be very simple and easy to say yes to you. 
Long ago, we started saying yes, and we started walking in the light, and we started being obedient. And so, so this for some of us, it's an easy step. But Lord, there might be some that find it difficult. There may be things in their past that they've forgotten all about. And as they begin to think about clearing away the clutter and the weeds of life, and you begin to reveal to them the things that need to be straightened out, Lord, they may have some difficult actions to take. Father, would you help us to be people who so long for an outpouring of your Spirit, who so are hungry for revival that we're willing to go to any extremes that obedience might require. And then, Lord, after we have done everything we can do, may we look to you in hope, being confident of your goodness and your kindness, knowing that as a father loves to give good gifts to his children, how much more our Heavenly Father longs to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. And help us to wait in hope. And Father, we thank you, praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take this with you?